Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. You're the mom, the maid, the keeper of the cookies. You do it all and you look good doing it. It's parenthood on a mother level. Here's your host, Denise Hanitka. This is what I like to call perfect timing. Perfect timing because we are back in the office and we have bachelorette programming for the first time in six months. We've been waiting far too long. Elizabeth Wattis in the not podcast studio with me. We are both back to work. What do you think about that? How has it been going for you? I think we talked about this. It's kind of bittersweet. Working from home was weird and challenging in its own way, but also delightful in its own way. But Mm -hmm. I think the best part about it is just getting back to a little bit of normalcy for us and for people that watch too. So I don't know. I'm glad to be back for sure. The biggest difference for me is the amount of money that I've spent in the last week and a half on takeout coffee. Oh. I keep going out for coffee. Gosh, I think you are rubbing off on me. I know. As I, know, I sit I really here am. drinking my Red Band coffee, and I had my 392 coffee yesterday. I know. The other day, I ordered whatever I ordered from Starbucks was legitimately $6. I was like, this is stupid. What are you doing? You, you, like, you can't afford $6 coffees no. every day. You There's moron. no need for that. Yeah. But now there is for some reason. Yeah, I think, number one, because we don't have a coffee maker that is usable right now there's a keurig that keurig what did i say what did you say i don't know it's because okay so we're both wearing a mask is the keurig orange elizabeth says orange funny yeah i say orange 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 but you say orange it's funny and now you say keurig yeah, that that was just wrong. That yeah. wasn't okay. I don't really think it's called okay. that. But okay. we have this Keurig that, and my first week back, I've like vinegared. I did the full vinegar treatment to clean it out, and it still oh. tastes foul. Wait. So that Keurig is unusable. You clean a Keurig with vinegar? Yeah, I've never had one, so okay. I don't know. But well, oh. even like a regular coffee maker, you use vinegar. What do you have, use? I don't have a coffee maker. I literally buy containers of iced coffee at the grocery store. Wow. Yeah. I've never been a big coffee drinker until quarantine. I had nothing else to do to, like, motivate (laughs) me to get up in the morning, so I would buy iced coffee (gasps) and drink it, and now, yeah, I don't know. Here we are. That'd make a lot more sense, though, to just get a coffee maker. Yeah, because then you can put it in the fridge, and it becomes iced coffee. Oh, my gosh. Magic. Yeah, I'll look into it. So Elizabeth is here because you are going to help me talk about night one of The Bachelorette, which we, I believe, would both agree was underwhelming. Mm, Snoozer. (laughs) But first, what I want to do is introduce my guest for this week, and her name is Katie Selberg. Katie Selberg is a friend of mine uh, for a couple years now. She has two little boys. And we are going to talk about the concept of introducing our kids to volunteering and how you can get them in that spirit of giving back from a very young age. And for Katie, that opportunity came recently when we had the derecho in Iowa and she took her little boy Henry back to her hometown of Cedar Rapids that got hit really bad by that storm. And so she tells the story of how she raised money and how she allowed Henry onto that trip and his experiences from it. So I think you're really going to like hearing from Katie. The other cool thing about Katie is she's married to a minister and she met that minister in an interesting way. So that's a funny story. And, you know, I mean, men are always right to begin with, you know, in their eyes. So then you're married to a minister. And I'm like, how does that work? You know, can you really like scream at your husband when he's a minister? I'd have to. <laughs> you're like, I know you have God's ear and all, but you're pissing but me off. But give me a minute. Okay. You're pissing me off. Oh, 
<laughs> I want to know how they met. Well, I guess you'll have to listen to this episode that you are currently on. Oh, yeah. It's like Inception. Oh, <laughs> it really is, actually. Yeah. Whoa. Okay. okay. Doing a podcast in a mask really blows. It's weird. Yeah, I don't like it. Yeah. First Katie, then Elizabeth Wattis on The Bachelorette. Thank you so much for listening to On a Mother Level. If you would, go and leave this podcast a review on Apple Podcasts. Five stars, and then a little paragraph saying how much you love me and how my voice is so soothing and whatever um, else you feel. Okay, so here's Katie. All right, Katie, tell me where we are. Where are we right now? We are in a church in Morrison, (laughs) Illinois. People are, Denise, what are you doing there? It's a very interesting place to have an interview. (laughs) But, you know, I really wanted to come here. You had offered to come to my house to record, but I wanted to come here because I felt like... I felt like this place has become a ton about who you are. You know what I mean? It, it really has. Looking, looking back into where I thought I would be when I was like in high school or college or planning my life, never would I think minister's wife would be on my resume. In <laughs> yeah. <any way. laughs> but that's where I am now. We are in the church where your husband is mm-hmm. the minister. Mm-hmm. He's the minister at First Presbyterian Church in Morrison, Illinois. Um, It's a little community where I moved to once we got married. I grew up in Cedar Rapids and then went to school at University of Iowa. Worked at Rockwell Collins for years and years in the corporate world and then somehow ended up in this lovely little small town. (laughs) Well, and you and I know each other because we both um, are part of Fit for Mom Mm -hmm. in the Quad Cities, which I've talked about a ton on this podcast. So you are a fellow two-boy mom. Yes. Just like me. And so uh, we hung out with your boys just a little bit. And I told you that I really enjoyed the like two year flash forward. You know what I mean? Because your boys are six, six and almost three. Yes. Turns three on Saturday. So it's literally like two years. Yes. Ahead. And the energy just grows and grows with each passing moment. It's wild. But they're the best. And I'm sure little girls are great too. But they were driving around in their little Jeep and we said that we were, you know, about to leave. And Henry was like, no, mom, I gotta, I gotta drive around and give you a hug. Like that, to me, that's little boy right there. Yeah. That's all little boy. And then you missed it because you were rearranging things in your car. George says, mom, 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 I need a hug. And so I gave him a hug and he's like, Henry needs a hug. So I gave Henry another hug. And then the dog came up, gave Jack a hug. All the love and all the hugs. So so much love. I do love the boy energy as yeah. wild and crazy, as maddening as it can be, but they are the absolute sweetest. I, oh. I wouldn't trade it. Yeah, they are sweet boys. Yeah. Okay, so let's get back to this whole minister's wife thing. <laughs> How in the world does anyone be married to a minister? Is the minister ever allowed to be wrong in a marriage? Oh, goodness. <laughs> I Yes, yes. I would be... Far from saying that he is this perfect person on a pedestal. He does swear from time to time. He does wear things that aren't a suit, as you saw today. Yes. Uh, he bruises his own beer. He's just a regular guy that where his job just happens to be in a church every day. That's yeah. kind of how we see it in our life. And yep, he's wrong. I'm wrong. We argue. We laugh. We do all the things. He does not necessarily talk about God all the time, but it does come up. Yeah. As, as it will. <laughs> it pops in. Yeah. Um, so how did you meet? We met actually at my cousin Sarah's wedding. He was the minister doing the marrying. Um, he grew up in Peoria, Illinois, um, was an engineer, actually graduated from Northwestern, went to the automotive industry, said this isn't really my gig, and then thought he wanted to go into ministry himself. So he became a youth pastor at his home church in Peoria. And so my cousin Sarah grew up in that church and she just fell in love with him and his spirit. And when she got married, she wanted him to come back and do the marrying and actually marry her and James. Yeah. So I was one of her closest cousins and she had kind of quote hired me as her keeper of the bride's sanity for that day. And so I just kept her organized, did all the things, tied bows, sewed on buttons, Um, all sorts of things. And so when the rehearsal came to happen, my other cousin and I, Krista, both of us single, we were like, oh, let's see if there are any cute guys here. It's Sarah's friends. They're a little younger than we are. And both of us were like, well, he's kind of cute. And then lo and behold, 
the, the festivities begin and he walks up to the front and opens his little book and both Chris and I were like, well, that's not happening. <laughs> Clearly he's, he's over there. <laughs> so we just ended up striking a conversation afterwards since he was also kind of our age. And so he sat with all the people in the wedding party at the little dinner and he actually says he fell in love with my brother first since my brother is a brewer. And so he likes to brew his own beer as well. Yeah. So they started talking about beer and all these things. And Andy's awesome. And oh, wait, his sister's kind of cute. So that's how we just kind of got together. And so his family was actually close friends with my aunt and uncle and their family. Since okay. they were in the same church. So our entire families met like the second day that we knew each other, which is kind of fun. Okay, but I mean, what better introduce like introduction can you do? You know, when you're frightened to tell your parents about this guy that you kind of like, and you're like, it's fine. No, it's he's fine. A and literally, my entire family <laughs> met him. One of my aunts is still takes credit for like I got them to dance together. Yeah. Like, okay, Aunt Linda. <laughs> What is what does that look like? I feel like we've talked a little bit about the minister career before where it's almost a lot like TV where you start small in some respects and then you can like move up and mm-hmm. is that fair? It's a little bit. So this was Mike's first call, his first church that he started at. So he thought he would be here maybe, you know, 2 or 3 years, maybe 5, that's a good first step and then you can move up to larger churches with bigger staffs and this just seems such a good fit for him. He's he's just loved it. And he continues to find new challenges and start new programming. And this town has just kind of welcomed us here that he's been here for, I think, 11 years now. Okay. And he just loves it. Yeah. And it just fits for us still. So we're, we're happy to be here. And during these times, I don't think anyone wants to change no. anything more than what's already changing in your life. So. No. We're good here for a while. Well, and while you were giving me a tour of your lovely home out on the farm, uh, we came across like a bench Mm -hmm. and it had MS plus KC carved into it, which I just thought was adorable. He's the sweetest. He built us a little bench um, on the back hill of our our properties. It's faces to the west. So we, we get to watch a sunset every single night if we... So choose to, or if one of us needs to escape from the chaos of our, our boy home, um, we can just head out there and watch a sunset, take a deep breath, have a cocktail or two if necessary. <laughs> but it really, it really is nice to just have that space. But it's interesting though, because you've, in some ways you've like lived two different lives. You know what Completely. I mean? You did like the on the move, international travel, mm-hmm. corporate thing. And then um, now life has taken you out to the farm. Yes. I actually, during this quarantine, I actually retired a whole mess of high heels and work clothes that I haven't touched in years that I thought, I'm like, these are still nice. Maybe I'll need them. And I'm like, I just don't think I'm going to head back to that corporate world. Yeah. That it was, I'm so thankful that I had it. It built who I am as far as a leader and a strong woman. And I really learned a lot about myself, about what I like and what I want to do. And But now this is just where I need to be. More jeans and t-shirts instead of yeah. high heels and suits. So it's, That's the boy it's mom nice. vibe. It is. It fits perfectly. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so tell me about your boys. Let's start with Henry. Oh, Henry. Bless his little heart. He is now six, as you, as you learned. Yes. He was very quick to say that you hadn't seen him since he was five. He is 100% my child. He loves a good list. He loves to get things done. Um, he is very strong-willed, like both Mike and I, and he's just hes just so much fun. Yeah. We're doing the online learning at home. He's doing the hybrid program, so he's in school for a couple of days. He's at home. It is just hysterical to see him, you know, intently practicing his typing on his little Chromebook. And then he'll just stop halfway through and go, I'm hungry, or I have to pee, or I need to run around. <laughs> And then he'll just switch back to being this sweet little six-year-old that has to yeah. like run off some energy. He'll come back and then he'll be almost like a college kid, like diligently working on his full Chromebook. He's just wonderful. And George. And George. Good old George. George is a little spitfire. We never quite know what's happening in his head. <laughs> I continue to say he will be my first trip to the emergency room. And not You have not gone to the emergency room gone. yet? Wow. I know. With that energy and that land, you saw the jungle gym, 
they're always jumping and falling. I I don't know what kind of luck I've I've gotten. Yeah. Maybe it's the whole married to the minister close to God <laughs> thing or something, but he's got that glint in his eye all the time. Yeah, he's always he's spunky. thinking, spunky, definitely. Since he has gotten a little older and gotten more of his own mischief coming out, there's just a myriad of things now continually living on the top of our refrigerator as they get taken away from being thrown or hit or karate chopped. That's a new skill we've learned. So <laughs> I love it. Yes. Oh, I just absolutely adore it. <laughs> we had that crazy storm around here, Ooh, which yeah. um, if you're not from the Iowa, Illinois area and you're listening to this, it's, it was called a derecho, which I hate using that stupid word because it makes me feel like I'm trying to be fancy. <laughs> Bottom line, it was a big old storm. And it was crazy because no one outside of Iowa was talking about it. No. It was so bizarre that we had essentially this hurricane force storm hit and we were out of power for, I think it was four full days. I mean, that's never happened to me before. And so the Quad City area was affected, but not as bad as Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. You stepped into action. I have many friends that joke with me that I do not sit still well at all. <laughs> and um, I, I was brought up in a family where you're always looking at ways to help other people. My mom was a special education teacher. My dad was an administrator at our high school and a coach. And I grew up just always doing things for others, whether all of your clothes get donated Um, You don't throw something away. You think of so-and-so might use it. Uh, Very active in our church, just always doing things. So I just thought that's what you do. And so I've been volunteering a ton throughout my life. And when this came along, that was just, it's just what you do. You just do something to help. You see a window, you see where need is, and you just do what you can. So I had time on my hand. And time in my mind is the most valuable resource that anyone has. Um, and in the time that Cedar Rapids was in the most need was in the, the days and the weeks right after the hurricane, when all the entire city was just, um, was touched in some way, shape or form by this. And all the agencies that are set up to help people in these events were also hurt. And so the people that helped the people weren't able to help. And so we needed outside people to help. So I saw that and I just said, what can I do? And um, I knew a lot of people with a few extra dollars in their pocket. I was just thinking with my immediate friends here in the little area, I sent a message out to our Fit Vermont group. I'm like, hey, I'm thinking about driving to Cedar Rapids. Anybody want to donate some diapers or wipes or things like that? Because I knew all the stores had been wiped out. And the people that could get to the stores had bought all the things. Literally nothing left in any of the stores. And the sto- a lot of the stores couldn't even be open in the area. I thought, well, this is something that everyone always needs, diapers, wipes, formula, that sort of thing. So I reached out to our Fit for Mom group and I immediately got some responses. And I'm like, okay, I could fill my van, drive in, drop it off, come back. And so um, in talking to my husband, I'm like, well, I, if you can take the boys and we figured out our day, I can just go on my own. Um, And so therefore we'll have a larger space in the van. So I just opened it up to Facebook friends in general and amazing response. Within 24 hours, I had over $1,500 to spend. Um, I had a lot of friends from Cedar Rapids that lived in other parts of the country that really wanted to help, but knew if they donated $50 to the American Red Cross, it eventually would get to help people, but they wanted to help like today. Mm -hmm. So I got to go on a fun little shopping spree at Target and I filled my car with $1,500 worth of diapers and wipes. You can get it to fit if you Tetris very well. <laughs> Seriously, yes, wow. Yes, it was packed to the ceiling. And my parents, this was about a week after the derecho, my parents had come to live at our house for the week um, since they their house, they lived in Cedar Rapids as well. So they had no power, no internet, anything forever. So they came to our house for a while and my dad wanted to go check up on things. So my dad and I took a little trip to Target. Um, my good friend Ashley, that we know from Fit for Mom, she came and helped me do the shopping because there was no way I was able to be pushing all those carts around Target. I did some pickup and I didn't know how much would fit. Yeah. So I spent about half the money, filled up the car and I'm like, oh, we can fit more in here. So Ashley and I went shopping and we packed it to the ceiling and off we went. So it was 
quite an amazing experience driving into Cedar Rapids and just seeing the destruction. Um, The reports now is about 50% of the canopy in Cedar Rapids is gone. And that's the thought now. They're thinking they're actually going to have to take more trees down that were damaged or um, they're worried about them falling onto other structures. So it could be worse. But just coming in, I'd grown up in Cedar Rapids my entire life. I've been, you know, driving home, driving home, driving home. You always see the same scenes. And it just... Things just looked so different. There was not one one inch of that town that was not affected. Not one street. Every single person in town, in the county. It's amazing how many people were out of power. I had logged in for my dad to the Alliant Energy website, and they didn't even update like yeah. how, which areas were out of power. They just had a nice little message that said, no one has power. We're sorry. We'll get to you when we can. It's It was just amazing. We did drive around town a little bit just to kind of check things out. And literally by necessity, we couldn't. you couldn't get from A to B very easily. You had to take roundabouts way due to trees down and power lines down and linemen doing work all over the town, which is just amazing to see people from literally all over the country coming in to help. Just trying to figure out a place to take our supplies to yeah. die. So we did find a center that was open on the northern portion of town. And when we pulled up, there was people picking up donations in the front and dropping off donations in the back. And I pulled up and one of the volunteers said, what do you have? And I'm like, I've got some diapers and wipes. He was like, well, you can put them here. And I go, well, I have a kind of a lot. Where do you need them to go? And I put the window down and he goes, holy moly. (laughs) And then one, he goes, we got a lot of diapers. And one woman came running up. She goes, do you have any newborn diapers? I have a new dad here. And I go, I do. I don't know where they are, but I know there's at least two boxes of newborn diapers. So this woman was almost in tears. Um, She was just a volunteer. She had shown up an hour before and said, how can I help? And she was almost crying for this new dad that had come that had run out of diapers for his newborn. And so very God, quickly, I'm trying to put myself in his shoes. I know. I can't even... Like the panic you would feel. I know. And it, it, he said he was willing to drive anywhere, but all of Cedar Rapids, anything in Lynn County, the stores were either closed or empty. And the fact that I was able to come from the Quad Cities and bring all of this was just amazing yeah. because there was no no place closer to get diapers, yeah. as you can think about that. And to think about the fact that he had a wife, I know. fiance, girlfriend, whatever yeah. at home, who he was like, all right, I'm I'm going to go and find I'm some. I'm going to get he you was, diapers. Right. Yeah. And, and he's probably thinking that moment, like, I cannot go back to this house without yeah. diapers. And so this volunteer was helping him, like, do they need formula? Do they need wipes? And she was like, I don't know. Like, take all the things straight to him. Yeah. And then we pulled the car around. My dad and I unloaded. And the volunteers were just ecstatic. Because they're like, do you have any number twos? We're out of number twos. And as quickly as I was unloading them, they were disappearing. Like, that's how quick the need was. It was amazing to see. Well, and um, you don't you don't give to necessarily, like, get that instant gratification. No. But that was, that's pretty that was cool. That's wonderful. I immediately wanted to park the car and go help. <laughs> yeah. Like I just wanted, that's just my nature. I would have liked to stay there and just volunteer for the next 17 hours. But I knew that's not where my place was for that day. I got my dad home. We checked out the house. We had some wonderful friends of ours that came over with a small team of chainsaw friends to help them cut up their trees and just seeing the devastation on just their little street alone. They live on a dead-end road, and it was amazing to see all the neighbors come together to chop up the trees on their street just to get enough space so one car could drive through. And so the camaraderie and the helpfulness was just amazing to see across the entire city. Yeah. But um, I ended up leaving my dad there and driving back home. My mom was going to come later that night. They were going to work for a couple more days and maybe then leave, depending on the, the power situation, which turned out they had no power for over two weeks in total. Um, they just lived out of a cooler, and they had a couple of neighbors with um, generators. They would have little phone charging parties in their driveways. Yeah. and. They just thought it was became their new normal. They mm-hmm. said we got into a little routine. By then, the stores had gotten replenished, and so they could go pick up dinner for that night and that sort of thing. So as I was driving out of Cedar Rapids, I thought to myself, I'm like, what am I doing? 
how am I leaving this place? And I'm going home to like a house that by now we had power. So I've got power. I've got a full fridge. I've got plenty of diapers for my child. And this, it just felt heartbreaking. So I was already planning in my head what day of the week I could come back next. Yeah. I, go, I know Mike isn't necessarily going to like this <laughs> to abandon him for another full day. Actually, I stopped partway home and I put another post on Facebook, posted a bunch of the pictures that I took. And I said, this, whatever picture you have in your head, it's worse than that. If you've got another couple dollars, send it to me. And within the 24 hours, I had another thousand dollars to spend. So it was just wonderful to see this outpouring from friends and family Um, And in some cases, people I didn't know, they said, this is 50 bucks for my neighbor to just help in any way they can, because they knew that I had the resource of time to be able to help immediately. And so that was really nice to be able to give. And Henry, being a little bit older, he was five, actually just turned six at the time, that he knew more of what was going on and he wanted to help. And so I had a couple friends in Cedar Rapids who were doing volunteering. So I figured out some ways that he could volunteer safely. Um, with children to be in the area and um, I decided to take him back with me for my second trip and it was just a wonderful experience it was exhausting but it was just wonderful to see how excited he was to help people were you worried about anything that he would see or if he would be frightened by a little bit you know we we talked about that it was it was really funny coming into town Like we had told him there are trees down, you know, people's houses are damaged. There's no power. Like if we go to Grammy and Papa's house, like there's no fun iPad time for your games. You've got to understand that. And he was like, okay, okay. But as we were coming into town, we're about to exit. He goes, mom, there's a tree on the house, like a real tree, like not just a tree in like the cartoons. Mom, it's a real tree. He was just blown away. And so then it it really started to sink in that this really is kind of a real experience. Yeah, It was fun to hear him process because, of course, it's all out loud. He's talking all the time. And it was interesting to hear him kind of work through what's happening in the world and then what he can do to help. And so something he came up with completely on his own is by this time, there are linemen literally like ants all over the town, which is amazing, trying to fix all the power lines. And there were tons and tons of trucks lined up on the main road that my parents street butts into. And he said, they are probably really tired. I wonder if we could bring them some snacks or some drinks. So we swung by Hy-Vee on the way into town after we dropped off our round of donations. We swung into Hy-Vee. We filled up the card with Gatorade. We came back to my parents' house. We put it all in a wagon, my old little wagon, and walked it down the street to the lineman and passed out Gatorades. And he, Henry was just thrilled that he thought of the idea and he was helping in whatever way we can. And the linemen, I know these stories have been on the internet all over, but they are just amazed at the outpouring of gratitude and love from the citizens in Cedar Rapids and the whole Midwest that they said they are used to, you know, working on the East Coast or in Florida where they have a lot of hurricanes and just people complaining that it's day four without electricity. And he goes, here we are day 12 and you guys are giving us scotcheroos and Gatorade. <laughs> oh, I sort of love that. I know. It really, in, and that's just the error of everything that was happening in yeah. Rapids at the time. It was awful. It was destructive. It was exhausting, just emotionally, physically, everything. But still people were smiling. It yeah. was it was really amazing to see everyone giving. And so I was really thankful to be able to give that experience to Henry and be able to do it in a safe way where he could still help, he could till, still volunteer, and really just, I don't think there's ever going to be another experience like that in his life. I would hope right. that there isn't another giant disaster like that that he has to be a part of. But I could definitely see him processing it and seeing up close, um, these are people that need help and here's something that I can do to Mm -hmm. help. One thing that he was helping to do at one of the distribution centers is people would donate things at this side of the building. And then if you needed to pick up donations, you would kind of go shop at this side of the building. So he was constantly replenishing and bringing things from one end to the other. And so... He and this other little boy who was the exact same age and both like Star Wars and both in first grade. It was miraculous. 
the two six-year-olds are in the first grade. <laughs> that these two little boys almost just made it a game out of taking toilet paper from this end and bringing it down here and boxes of diapers from this end and bring it. And they had so much fun. And yeah. I was exhausted. We had been there for three hours. And I said, Henry, are you, you know, this is a good amount of time. Are you getting tired? And we might want to get dinner. He's like, no, mom, can we do two more rounds? I'm like, all right, buddy. So I just... I just loved seeing that spirit come up front. He knew we were not going to get ice cream on the way home. We weren't getting, you know, a nice t-shirt that said I volunteered. There was no TV time when he got back to Grammy and Papa's house. He he was just doing this to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so granted, you know, he's a six-year-old. Six-year-olds can make almost anything fun. But I really... I really liked seeing that come out of him because that's how I was brought up. Mm-hmm. And I'm so thankful that I have some real tangible experiences and ways to be able to pass that on to him. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all about example. Mm-hmm. You know, it's leading by example. I put out a call because I was wondering how we could share with our viewers how to get your kids to wear a mask. And I think one of your suggestions was like, well, if you wear one, like they'll just do the (laughs) thing you're doing, you know, like it's just very simple. And so it can be applied to so many different things, including stepping in to help and volunteering. Mm -hmm. You know, it just becomes part of even just in this church where we're sitting, Henry is so sad that our free community meals that we have going on here twice a month, we, we haven't been able to have them. Mm. And he's so sad because he just thinks they're so fun. And he doesn't know that the fun he's having, and I've got air quotes going, um, is doing dishes and clearing tables and handing out napkins. And it's it's amazing to see these kids running around these meal events that we have helping people that may have donated 25 cents to have the meal or no money or may have tossed in a 20 just because they like a really good home cooked meal he doesn't know which person donated what amount of money he just knows that this person needs a napkin and he's going to get that napkin to her as quickly as he can yeah and win at whatever he's doing and I just love that he's volunteering and doing that. He's giving of himself to the community, but he doesn't even know what that word volunteer is. I had to, we had a discussion about the word volunteer and what it meant on our drive to Cedar Rapids because I kept saying we're going to go to volunteer. He's like, well, what's volunteering, mom? And I, I had to, I had to put it together that we had never really named that word to him. Yeah, you know, named. I don't that think task. I've ever said the word volunteer to no. Abram, which obviously no. makes me garbage, but. <laughs> Come on, Denny, step it up. But I had to explain to him all the things you do at the community meals. That's volunteering. Getting food from the food bank and bringing it to our free community produce table that's right outside here. That's volunteering. Gathering toys that you don't need anymore and helping me drive them to Goodwill and drop them out. That's volunteering. And he was like, oh, I am a volunteer. He just kind of stood a little taller, I think, for the rest of that visit in Cedar Rapids. And when he came home, his little name tag badge that said Volunteer Henry, he has that up on his bulletin board now that he he now has a title. He's Volunteer Henry. Yeah. Yeah, It's very sweet. But I really like that it's just become a part of what we do in our family Mm -hmm. is we just do things. And I know taking your kids to go volunteer somewhere can be kind of scary. Yeah. Especially if you yourself have never been to a food bank or a food pantry or it can be intimidating for an adult, let alone like you your question about were you worried about it being dangerous for Henry? Yeah. You just don't know. So I know I've given suggestions to some of my friends that want to get their kids involved in things. You go first you go volunteer for an hour or a day or just go get a lay of the land. And if you're feeling a little uneasy, then that's maybe not the spot for you to take your kid. You yeah. know, just because it's a food bank doesn't mean it's the perfect place to volunteer. But just to find something that you're passionate about that you can connect to, then you'll just naturally, you'll be able to show your kids how to care about that same thing as mm-hmm. well. I'm wondering if another good tip is like following their lead. If he's sitting there saying hey, I bet that guy's thirsty. You automatically just, like, like, let's roll with this. Let's go. Let's keep it. Let's go. And if we hand out one Gatorade, Henry's going to think it's a win. Yeah. And we handed out a whole wagon full. You know, you see things on the internet of kids setting up lemonade stands to raise money for their friend at school with cancer. That child didn't do it on their own. They had really good, loving parents that are kind of 
helping them on their way. The parents aren't doing it for them. You've also seen those pictures on the internet where you can tell the parents built the lemonade stand. They had the sign professionally printed, you know, (laughs) their kid raised $4,000. Like that's not important. Right. The kid raises $4 and takes it in a baggie to the bank and said, I want this to be sent to kids with cancer. Then that's a win. Mm -hmm. Like it's not necessarily the amount of money or or good that's been done. It's what you're instilling in the kids so that hopefully in their future days, they will take that on. Every community become just a little bit better. (laughs) Well, I think that's very cool. I mean, I, volunteering is not necessarily something that was a huge part of my upbringing. And so I don't necessarily think that I've made it a priority, although my kids are very Mm -hmm. little, so there's plenty of time to change that. But I just, I feel like I've been trying to just, you know, yes, you might get a present on your birthday, but now you need to think, how happy did it make you to get this present? So let's put that same amount of thought and effort into someone else's present. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's like my most like, try to be a good person talk. It's just teaching. (laughs) (laughs) It's just teaching them to think about other people. Yeah. Because they're they're a tiny human. Their first and foremost worry is themselves. They want the cup color that they want. They want the snack when they want it. They want, and you know, being a baby and a toddler and a small human, that's that's all we do is we just cater to their every want and need mm-hmm. and try to appease them as quickly as they can so they stay happy. It is a learned activity to think of other people. So just the idea of sharing with a peer, that's one little step, but like you said, it made you happy to get this toy. Now, what do you think little Susie would like best? What do you think is going to make her the most happy? Right. So even if it's a $2 toy or a $10 toy or a $50 toy, just as long as Susie smiles, that's what they're going to be most happy about. When I was growing up, my mom, being a special education teacher, she was really passionate about Special Olympics. My father was a track and cross-country coach, so he was big into running. And so it just it made it a good fit for our family to volunteer at the Special Olympics track meets every year. And so I, kind of like Henry, didn't even realize I was volunteering. My mom did this thing every summer. We went with her. We just spent the whole day there around people that needed a little extra help. And I was a high fiver. Like that was a volunteer job you have at the end of the races. You just give everybody gets a high five. You can get their times. The timers can get their times to them and do what they need to. And I had so much fun. I, again, didn't realize I was volunteering. And so it was just something my mom was passionate about. I learned a lot about it. I became passionate about it. And lo and behold, when I got into my high school years and college years and started figuring out what I liked um, most and how I wanted to give back, I didn't even realize what my parents had done my entire time growing up. Yeah. Just that leading by example and giving some safe opportunities to, to reach out and things like that. It was just instilled in me without even having to think about it. Yeah. To wrap up, I guess I just want to talk a little bit about where you're at in this whole quarantine lockdown situation. <laughs> By the time this episode airs, I will be back at the station for the first time in over six months. You know, when we were sent home in March, I had oh no clue how long this would take or Did when any it would of us? be. No, no. <laughs> I remember when we had, when I first set up my set in the basement, I thought it would be nice to have some fresh flowers down there. And I called the florist and I was like, hey, like, I'll just get like a little arrangement, something, something, and it'll just be some Mm -hmm. little pop of color. And she was like, well, how much do you want to spend on it? And I was like, "Ah, whatever, just make it look nice. I was like, you know, whatever. I go, I'll probably just need, need one more. Because I'll be home for two weeks. So maybe just put one together for this week and then I'll buy one more for next week. And then I'll <laughs> Little be. Little did you know. I had to stop buying flowers. There was no was more money say. in the budget to be buying flowers. So the flowers thing ended, but it's fine. It was interesting because someone said to me the other day, like, once you go back, then I can finally feel like we're getting back to normal. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, oh, what is getting back to normal look like for you? I. I have no idea. I feel like anyone that has like a two to three year old human in their life, there is no normal. (laughs) 
So we're just trying to morph and change our family into whatever the normal is for us Mm -hmm. for this day, week, or month. Henry, as I said earlier, has gone back to school. He's now into, I don't know, whatever week school this is. But I was just sharing with you that we finally feel like we're in a slight bit of a routine, just like last week or the week before, actually. He's in school Monday, Tuesday, and then home Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So... George and I have our little normal when Henry's at school and then our family gets to juggle Henry learning how to do a new Chromebook and whatever first grade online learning looks like, right? worksheets. And we've gotten into a family balance, but it still just feels so weird. It's still, I, I, don't, I don't know how this little world <laughs> keeps spinning. No. One thing that I think is good is we're all becoming a little more used to things changing all the time. One thing I used to do as I'm looking at this line of books here from my corporate days, yeah. leading change, change management. That's a lot of what I did is you do a lot of preparing for the change and doing a lot of research. And we're just now, we're changing on the fly. <laughs> we're just going. So I think that is one thing that we're doing a little bit better at adapting, hopefully. And it's taking less time to settle into whatever our new normal is. Mm-hmm. So okay. I think our normal is, is good for these next two weeks. And then once the snow starts to fall, who knows? <laughs> I know. It's amazing because you would think that we're kind of coasting now, you know, October, November, December, end of the year. But 2020 has shown us that... You can pack a lot of junk into three months. Oh, man. I don't know. (laughs) Now I'm just happy that Henry knows how to log into his Chromebook. George knows how to play a little bit on his own without destroying too many portions of our home. Mike has his office to come to at the church for a little bit of respite because him working at home doesn't work. And I have my office at our little city building to come to where I get a little bit of a respite. So as all four of us just get to take a little breather away from the other three from time to time, we'll continue to survive. Yeah, yeah. Just keep throwing the boys outside. Whenever, <laughs> whenever anything gets too chaotic in our house, I'm like, time to go outside. Go, go run. I don't care if it's Everybody's raining. gone. We'll put on those new boots we got you. Just go. <laughs> okay, so I forgot my affirmations cards. So, but you're pointing to one on your wall. Tell me about it. This is from one of my dearest friends, Kate. And she actually, I would, I'm going to say, I'm going to call her my, my volunteer hero. She is someone that joined the Peace Corps. She lived for two years in Kazakhstan teaching English. She's just an amazing human. Her family always joked with her that any stray animal that was injured that would like walk past her house would just immediately come into the house. So she was always rescuing all the things as a small child and wanted all the dogs. And she's just a lovely, big hearted individual. And so she actually got this for me um, a number of years ago. And I've just always had it wherever I'm working, knowing that whether I'm working in a volunteer something or a board that I'm on or true work work it's just always there to kind of remind me it says small acts transform the world and I think in this time more than any that's so true yeah I love it because it just reminds you to do good things as many times as you can throughout your day and I just love it because Kate gave it to me and I know whatever I'm doing it doesn't even seem to add up to an ounce of what she's doing so I thank her for that, definitely. Yeah. All right, Katie, that's where I'm going to end it. I feel like that's the perfect way to close. (laughs) Well, this was so much fun. Thank you for this conversation. Thank you for the coffee. Cheers. (laughs) All the coffee. That's all we need. (laughs) All the coffee. Thank you so much for listening. And is there anywhere that you want people to like find you on social media or do you want to disappear into the netherworld? Oh, well, if you if you'd like to see me and my small family trying to <laughs> try I'm laughing because we're sitting in church and every Sunday our little family comes here and we do live feeds for church every Sunday. Okay. So, you can find us somewhere if you do search for First Presbyterian Church Morrison, Illinois. Mike does his minister thing. Um, the boys light the candles, they bring down the offering plates. They fight over who gets to put out the candles at the end. (laughs) 
Um, and, and it's all I, live. <laughs> oh, yeah. And I do the liturgy. I read the liturgy, um, the lessons for the day. I do the recording. I do the child wrangling. Sometimes Jack, our dog, comes along. I make sure he doesn't run anywhere. Yeah. So, yeah, it's it's a fun little show. It makes it entertaining. And we do not have anyone um, in our sanctuary at the time. It's just our little family, okay. our organist, Scott. We've just started having two people at a time in our balcony for balcony guests that get to watch the behind the scenes of it happening. So if you do want to watch the fun on Sunday morning, <laughs> get a nice little religious message somewhere in there as well. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you can find us on Facebook and YouTube. I love it. Thank you so much, Katie. On to the Bachelorette. Our heroine is Claire Crawley. Right out of the gate, Elizabeth. What do we think of Claire? The impression I got and kept getting is she's so serious about this. And Mm -hmm. she so wants to find love and she's not messing around. And this is really it for her. I don't know. She kept saying, like, I always show up. I always show up. She's not going to settle for anything but the best for herself. I don't know. I was really skeptical about Claire because I was just like, she's been on this franchise how many times, how many seasons. This is kind of annoying. I don't know. I think I enjoyed her and believe her more than I thought that I would have. Okay. I know you're a huge fan, though. I really liked Claire because I do think she is earnest. Mm-hmm. I don't believe that she fakes anything, and I believe that she's earnest to a fault in the sense that whatever she's feeling in that moment, she's going to act on, even if it's not smart. Right. Well, this episode was full of foreshadowing, wouldn't you agree? They oh, were, yeah. They were dropping little Easter eggs all over the episode. That's kind of what I hated about it. We've been waiting so long for this. I know, pandemic. Of course. And then you kind of give us nothing in the content, but you leave those Easter eggs and you have the preview of the season be like, what, like five minutes long? <laughs> I said, that's how you know that the first episode wasn't that great because they gave the last rose out with eight minutes left. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was all foreshadowing, which I was like, oh, we deserve more. We deserve a little bit more. What more did you want? I guess I just wanted more to happen, like an actual time instead of just previewing it. I don't know about like, is it known that like... And that's the big question. That's the big question because I feel like there's a lot out there and it's not just for people who read spoilers. Right. But Because even Us Weekly and E! News were all talking about this thing. Yeah. The thing. I think people know the thing. Okay. Are we cool with saying the thing? I'm cool with it. And I am adamant about you not telling me spoilers. Right. So I think we're safe. Okay. So we we are right out of the gate. If you know nothing about this season and you don't want to know the spoiler that already exists out in the universe, then this would be the time to turn it off. But for everybody who knows at least the little nugget of truth that's apparently out there is that Claire will not be the lone bachelorette this season and that at some point someone else comes in because Claire has found someone, walked away. Right. And they kind of allude to that in that last kaboom of the preview, right? Oh, for sure. Because you see the limo and you see them open the door like somebody else is getting out. You assume it's another bachelorette. Right, I would think. And you hear the guys say, are we getting a new bachelorette? What are Mm -hmm. they going to do? Are they going to bring someone in? So yeah, I guess we have to just stipulate here that we are going to talk about this the way that Us Weekly talks about it, which Mm -hmm. is Claire leaves the show with someone and Taysha steps in. Okay, let's just stipulate that. Taysha. I've been wanting to say it. Taysha. Taysha. Yeah, Taysha steps in. That's at least what I think. Yeah. Without reading, you know, spoilers, which just... Being an observant human, I guess. Yes. Not even observant. If but. you if you read any entertainment articles, it's been out there. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was one big question walking in is how much was the show going to acknowledge what they know their viewers already know? And the right. answer was none. Right. They didn't acknowledge any of it. Mm-mm. And we barely got anywhere. I don't know how this is going to work. And I think that's kind of exciting, too, because yes. it is so different. Because typically the night one stinks. And this night right one was absolutely terrible. And I I expected it to be better and more 
forthcoming with information because of this twist that okay. never happened. Like, if we're going to have two bachelorettes, a lot needs to happen, I feel like, before the next one can come on. Right. And we don't know how many episodes will right. take to make this transition make sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, so right out of the gate, we're getting a synopsis of how the show handles coronavirus, which I could not have cared less about. I know why they did it and why they needed to establish the sentence of timeline, but it felt like a bad dream reliving all the stuff we had just lived. And Mm -hmm. then there's that Maury Povich moment of, I have your test results. Which I love that Maury Povich did tweet about that. Oh, my gosh. What did he he tweet about? Yeah, he tweeted something along the lines of like, oh, that's my line or something along (laughs) the lines. Leave it to Maury. Yeah, I love it. So I thought all that was really stupid. I did think, though, related to coronavirus, and they commented on it, too. I think a lot of people noticed it. But when they started coming out of the limo, just watching two strangers hug was such like a foreign image to me. Uh Uh-huh. And it felt so wrong, but it felt so right at the same time. It's like, <laughs> I want to do that. I want to go hug people. But no, I know they were really strict about things and quarantined and tested and did all that. And they explained it. But I don't know. It was kind of cool to watch people hug. Yeah. So weird. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's a little weird. Yeah, but you're just a tender hearted lamb. Don't you want to hug? No, I don't oh, care. Oh, okay. Whatever. <laughs> well, yeah. Okay. <laughs> You're not a tender-hearted man. <laughs> so we meet the guys. Did anybody stand out to you? Guy who squeezed her hand so hard that he <gasps> scratched her rings? Yes. But, like, didn't even acknowledge that he hurt her? That was weird. <laughs> that was Wasn't weird. he the one, too, that he was like, my friends say I'm terrible at first impressions, and then he, like, rips Squeeze. up her hand? <laughs> yeah, I would say your friends are right. I do love when The Bachelor wears bachelorette wears those massive rings she had some big honkers on you wouldn't think it would be a risk but apparently it is got real meatheads coming around yeah what about you who stood out um well station wagon guy stood out not because he showed up in a station wagon but because he was so sweaty i was really upset by how sweaty he was really yes i didn't notice i mean he was covered in a like a layer of man oh, sweat no. yeah, like on his so, face or through yeah. his clothes no on his face i just thought he was Ugh. excessively dewy oh yeah Ooh. i love that his name is tyler c oh you can't be tyler c well without being tyler cameron right you so can't. he is the exact opposite of tyler c so we have yeah. this like one tyler c who lives on this pedestal and like floats around in the cloud and then this sweaty right. station wagon driving drama producing tyler c that title's taken that seat's taken <laughs> it's taken i also really liked and i don't think it ended well for him but it would have totally got me the guy that showed up with the shirt with her two dogs on it yes yes i liked that I was oh, fine with that. I would have, I would have swooned. I did swoon, and it wasn't even my dog. So what you're saying is that the key to your heart is a screen-printed T-shirt of Winnie. I mean, that sounds really weird, but I guess that's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. Own it. Yeah. yeah. And her dog was there. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah. It's okay. fine. Yeah, Abram said he really wants those little dogs. Uh, that's like, what okay. he said? Yeah. I really want those little dogs. Yeah. Oh. I was like, all right. He also <laughs> announced to me yesterday that he wants a sister. <gasps> yeah. Where did that come from? Well, apparently there are other kids in his class who are recently having sisters. So he told me he'd like a sister and that sister's name would be Dotsie. Oh. D-O-T-S-Y, I'm guessing, or S-I-E. I Dotsie. love Abram's names for things. Yeah. Little Dotsie. Little Dotsie. I like it. Yeah. Pongo, Dotsie, and Abe. <laughs> I love it. I think yeah. he's onto something. So, you know, that request has been put in just in time for Christmas. There you go. Yeah. Get to work, <laughs> Turner. <laughs> okay. What do we think about this guy who Claire says is the only guy who contacted her? This Ooh. Blake fellow with the beard. First of all, do we believe that he is the only guy who contacted her? I think so. Okay. I think it's kind of, like she said, an unwritten rule that you don't do that. Mm -hmm. The extent to which she was impressed by that gesture was a tad overblown. 100%. (laughs) I was really annoyed with it. I felt like, if anything, it was more of an ego moment that was like, why aren't these guys reaching out to me? 
Mm-hmm. And the Maybe. one who did, like, did the thing she wanted them to do. And yeah. therefore, he got extra points that he would have never gotten just for being who he is. Yeah. And I don't know anything about him. I'm just saying I thought that she was way more impressed by someone sliding into her DMs. Yeah, I was very taken aback by her reaction to it. Like, I thought the conversation was going to go completely differently. Mm -hmm. I didn't really like that. I don't care. I'm sure other people have reached out. I don't know. But, yeah, I was more weirded out by Claire's response than the act of him doing it. Okay, let's just get to Dale. Okay. Okay, let's do it. So, Dale... I want to spark a little bit of a conversation here. So number one, let's start with Dale in the instant connection they allegedly have. Are you buying what they're selling? The first interaction? No. I didn't I didn't get that. I thought it was very mundane, like a conversation you could have with a coworker, you know? I don't mm-hmm. know. It just like it didn't do anything for me. What about you? The thing that stood out to me was how ready the show was for that Mm. moment to happen. To jump Chris Harrison is right there going, that's big, Claire. That's really big. Are you you sure you really want to say that? Chris did not seem surprised by it. It just seemed like that moment was ready to take place. Mm -hmm. And that part was confusing to me. Mm -hmm. Because I could maybe buy that she was just sort of taken with someone in that first impression. That I buy. I don't buy that everybody was so ready for it. It was played up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Maybe she did feel something, but it was it was sensationalized and played up. Yes. When maybe she had a great conversation with somebody else too, and it was just maybe didn't even make air, mm-hmm. you know? But this one, they want us to focus in on Dale and Claire. Mm-hmm. That leads me to ask you, Lizzie, and I talked about this with Turner last night. Do you... Elizabeth Angela Wattis. That's not my name. Oh, okay. Elizabeth A. Wattis. No, nope. still not there. <laughs> Do you believe in love at first sight? Like literally not even talking to anybody and just seeing somebody? Let's, let's give it that exact out of the limo, walked up to you, you're wearing a dress, he's in a tux, three and a half minute conversation. Do you believe in love at first sight in that context? And I don't mean TV show. I just mean yeah. if someone were to walk up to you, mm. do you believe it? Ah, oh, I want to believe in it. Yes, I do. I do. I do. You are a tender-hearted lamb. I guess I am. True to my colors. You don't believe in love at first sight? I do believe in it. Oh, so you're a tender-hearted, li- tender-hearted lamb too. Maybe a little bit. Ooh. <laughs> No, I believe in the concept of the instant connection. I believe in love at first sight, but I also believe that it exists in a moment. And unless there's work done after that, that moment cannot sustain you. Mm, You know what I mean? Because I think sometimes people think love at first sight seals the deal forever. And I don't think so. I think love at first sight can wrap you in and hold you for a moment Mm -hmm. but then there's so much more to do you know what i mean yeah well do you believe that there's one person for every person in the world no yeah i don't either love at first sight i believe in that it wouldn't be like a one and only person like this is my love at first my only love at first sight i believe in love at first sight right yeah and then it's what you do with that with the stipulation of this is a great start. We have a lot more to go, mm-hmm. but we are connected. We have that connection. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I feel like I believe in it because it sort of happened to me. And I was trying to explain this to Turner last night because I feel like he feels the same way, but we're just calling it two different things. Does Turner believe in love at first sight? He believes in an instant connection. And that's where I think we're just mincing words. Yeah. Yeah. So when I met Turner, I was dating someone else and he was single And I was kind of on the outs with the person that I was dating. And so there was a little uncertainty there. And I just remember thinking in my head, and maybe I've told you this story before. I remember thinking in my head, this is the type of person I should be with. When you met Turner? Yes. Yeah. And I knew nothing about him. I didn't know what I even meant when I Mm -hmm. said that. And so what I said to Turner last night, which is going to sound really, really crazy coming from me. I can't wait for this. Is I felt like... My soul recognized (gasps) him. 
but I don't believe in that. <laughs> you know what I mean? But I know it wasn't my brain. It wasn't logic saying A plus B equals C because I didn't know this person. But something, the universe said, you need to know this person. This person's important in the grand scheme. Can you tell like how cheesy I'm smiling right now? Because like no. I have my mask on, but like I love this so much. You know what I mean? Like, why in the world would I look at this person that I do not know? I know nothing about him other than his name and mm -hmm. the fact that he's bearded. <laughs> and that was very cool in the <laughs> early 2000s because, okay. like, beards were, beards were not in. No. But Turner had a beard. And that was cool. Yeah, and I just, I just really liked that. Nobody beard. had beards at that time. He was just kind of like a big guy. Yeah. And I just remember I looked at him and I thought, this is the type of person I should be with. Without even talking to him. I think I we'd had some very s superficial conversations, yeah. but I distinctly remember, and I know exactly where on the campus of Western Illinois University that we were when that happened. So my question is, does Turner remember that moment? Yes, that, that connection. But he, but he had that that moment with me at a different time. Ooh, before or after? I I don't know because it was right around okay the same time. But his experience is different because he was single at the time. And so he was more like, I would like to get to know this person. Whereas my brain is thinking, do I want to be in the relationship that mm -hmm. I'm currently in? Do I want something else? Yeah. You know? I love that. I love it. But that being said, if we had not made an effort to get to know one another, if the stars didn't align in many other ways. If we did not work really, really hard. If he shaved his beard. That would be a deal breaker. <laughs> Such a deal breaker. But you know, like without yeah. many more things to come, quote unquote, love at first sight or instant connections are meaningless. Mm -hmm. I don't yeah. think they sustain you for more than 10 minutes. Mm -hmm. So that's I feel like that. All the relationships that I look up to, and I like you and Turner are one of them, but like my mom and dad, my sister and her husband, it was similar to that. Okay. They just, there was something different and they knew that, but you know, then a lot of things had to happen afterwards, but yeah, you just kind of know. Yeah. So maybe Claire knows? Is that what we're saying here? Well, and that's Is what she Dale? kept saying. She kept saying, I'm 39 years old, so I know it when I see it. Here's the problem. If you're 39 years old, I would almost expect you to be more discerning and more cautious. Hmm. You know? Particularly because she's been engaged on this franchise before. She's been in other situations. She showed up thinking she wanted to get engaged to Juan Pablo. But maybe she means it now she knows it because it hasn't worked out so many times. Okay. Potentially. Potentially. She's 39. She has these experiences of how she used to connect with people but now she knows what hasn't worked what will work and she'll know this time okay what do you think about dale i don't know anything about him yeah i, have I no don't connection know. to him yeah i don't know what her instant connection was with him <laughs> and i said this to turner too last night i said yes i thought you were attractive in that moment and i and i like the physical is obviously a part of it but it wasn't that big mm -mm. you know without being in claire's head it's unfair to f for me to s just say oh she's attracted to him because he's a tall former football player handsome guy maybe there is maybe there was that soul recognition experience. and if there was i think that's a failure on the show for not letting us have that connection with him before they made such a big deal out of it mm -hmm. well and then the first thing which is the only thing they can do in the preview is say, oh, Dale's not who he says he's right. going to be. That, you have that's to predictable. create some tension there predictable. if it's such a for sure thing. Mm -hmm. So from Instagram, I asked you what your impressions were on the first night. And so KZ says, terrible, but <laughs> she is so much drama. I've never missed in 18 years, but not impressed. Claire is so much drama? I guess so. Okay. Narizzle says not impressed. My brother says total dumpster fire. Oh, shoot. Other um, commenter, Anna, says I'm bored. Oh, so no one liked it. No, I don't think anyone liked it. But I want to be clear. The first episode is 
always garbage. It's always garbage. It bothers me that no matter what you talk about in the first night, that conversation never matters Mm -hmm. by the end of the season. So what I'm saying is I'm glad that you listened to us talk about this. (laughs) My one other thing I wanted to say. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know the rose ceremony was hella long. Yes. When Claire's like, oh, that was such a long night. And then as they're filming these guys leaving, it's sunlight. Like it's daylight out. Can you even imagine how long that That was an all nighter into the morn? Yeah. And there were 10 guys that she never even spoke to. Which is such a Claire move. It's such a Claire move to be like, hmm, no. Better not. I'm all set. Yeah, I'm good to go. Thanks. Thanks for quarantining. <laughs> so I listened to Nick Vile's podcast. You know who Nick Vile oh, yeah. is? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I listened to his recap this morning, and this is a little juicy tidbit that I'm going to share from his podcast. He apparently had a friend who was on this season. I can't remember what his name was, maybe Robbie or something. But Robbie barely got any airtime. I mean, I don't remember yeah. alleged Robbie. Anywho, so apparently this Robbie, according to Nick Vile, gets out of the limo and delivers some sort of joke. And his joke was apparently funny to everyone but Claire. Nick Vile says that the joke was something along the lines of it was self-deprecating to all the guys who were there. Okay. I guess. But apparently it was funny. There was yeah. nothing, there was like no like weird you know, wasn't inappropriate or something. But I guess, according to Nick Vile, that Claire was offended that he would take a shot at these guys. And so she dismissed him for the rest of the (gasps) night, did not speak to him, and she was out. So it made me wonder if she didn't speak to 10 guys. Because they told her bad jokes. Or like, for like little reasons. For like a little reason that she was like, nah, not into it. Nope. And whatever this joke was, they never showed it. Mm-hmm. All they showed was him saying, hi, nice to meet you, whatever. And then they cut it out. And then they cut it out. And apparently, yeah, she was just like, uh-uh, not into it. Weird. Yeah, which is so Claire. It's just yeah. such a Claire thing to do. She says when she knows, she knows. Yeah, when she does like when she mm-hmm. it also holds true for the men that she doesn't yeah. want. Dang. Yeah. Can you imagine? Like, is he ever going to tell that joke again? Well, it's, I... According to Nick Vile. I trust Nick Vile. I know a lot of people hate him, but I really like his podcast. Anywho, so I thought that was an interesting little tidbit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Whatever this joke was, Claire. No. Mm -mm. And no. Not going to have it. Not (laughs) happening. Any other night one impressions, Lizzie? I think we talked when Claire was first announced that it was good to have a more mature bachelorette because of the previous seasons with just really young people. Agreed. Um, so I, I'm really looking forward to her love journey. But part of me is because I know something happens, I want to jump ahead to that. And I'm yeah. mad at myself for that because I was excited to watch Claire's journey, but I kind of already want to know what happens next. Yeah. What about you? Because you, like, you really like Claire. I honestly like Claire because I do want her to win. You know, mm-hmm. I want things to work out for her particularly when she shared her story I mean we already know that she lost her dad at a young age Mm -hmm. and now it sounds like she's her mother's caregiver and I feel like she's just been through a lot yeah and I think she's just an earnest person she really does want her happily ever after she does for some reason I'm very invested in her getting that Mm -hmm. I love and I hate when people say this and I don't even know why I'm saying it but I love that she's not stick skinny I think she has like the most gorgeous figure ever she's just like round in all the right places I think she's just stunning I think her face is just gorgeous with beautiful cheekbones she looked so beautiful she looked so great and so Mm -hmm. I just I'm just very invested in her getting that happily ever after and I'm sorry that it has to take place on The Bachelorette, and I hope that it does. But I just, I don't know. For some reason, I just like her. I like people who are honest about who they are. I like somebody who you can root for, like mm-hmm. you said. So we're rooting for Claire. And yeah. I'm not annoyed that she kept saying the thing about, you know, you just sometimes you just got to show up. Mm-hmm. I like that. I did sometimes too. I think that's what made up. me like her, because it makes sense and she's right. All right, night one. Are we going to do these recaps weekly? I was just going to ask you if I could come back on. I sure hope so. Okay, let's do it. Okay. Bye, Lizzie. Bye. You have been listening to the WQAD Podcast Network. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.